Welcome back. My name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this is Streaming Things, the only podcast we're pretty sure we've done research where you can find the best, the brightest, the strangest, the sexiest TV shows and films available to stream right from your home in an ocean of streaming content vying for your attention. We are your lighthouse, your beacons of broadcast, your curators of content. Your sex pests of shows. I fucking nailed it. I've memorized it. And I remembered to throw in sexiest per Steve's request. Yay. Solid from last. And you guys have noticed two things probably. Number one, and most importantly, Andy's back. Hey. Hey. Yay. How was your trip, buddy? Muffled applause. Oh, dude. (laughs) It was so much fun. I went to Gatlinburg with my girlfriend and her family. And, uh, it was just a bunch of awesome food and drinking and a super good time. Happy to hear. Happy to hear. I'm glad that the, uh, the holiday punch was a success. Oh, dude, they love that. Super good. We crushed it. I'm like, I just fed this family a full bottle of bourbon before five. Let's see, <laughs> let's see how today goes. Yeah. So listener, uh, if yeah. you guys want a, a fun alcoholic bevy to spruce up your, uh, your holiday cheer, let me know and I'll DM you that recipe. Yeah. Solid stuff. It's like Christmas in your mouth. Oh, jingle all the way. <laughs> baby. We should call it the, the Mrs. Claus. <laughs> 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 Which is actually sounds like a legal term as well. Um, the second thing you may have noticed is that the 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 audio is still a little different, perhaps subpar for what you're used to hearing from streaming things, and that is because we are still recording remotely. I was listening to our um, Witcher coverage part two, and I was just wanted to shout that out again. I forgot to keep reminding people if you're if you're new to the show, the audio quality is a little higher than is typically because we record in person. But we had a COVID scare. I caught the vid. It was rough. And so uh, it, it sounds really ignorant to say COVID's going around because uh, obviously it has been. But at least in our area, it's it seems to have spiked considerably. That could be anecdotal science, but uh, a lot of people I know have COVID literally right now. And so we're still playing it safe and recording via Zoom. And so that's why you notice a little bit of change in the audio. So hopefully it's audible and still fun to listen to. But, you know, we, don't, we just don't want to risk it for the biscuit quite yet. Is that now? I think we could agree on that expression, right? I hate risking anything guys, on biscuits. Though. What was that? When? <laughs> so we talked over each other. Go ahead, Steve. Oh, I just said I just said I, I don't like risking anything for a biscuit. So I don't even like biscuits. You know, if I'm a Bob Evans, I'm going to choose rolls every time. I do. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's just have the- you tried honey on your biscuits? Yeah, I mean, they're okay, you know, like, I'm, but I'm never going to choose a biscuit, you know? I think, like, a biscuit sandwich is much better than a roll sandwich. There's not even such thing as a roll sandwich. Uh, like, sausage, egg, and cheese roll. That's no one ever, right? Now, you <laughs> could go English <laughs> muffin if you want to be different. Here. Yeah, we could be. I did have Hawaiian roll sandwiches with turkey on them post-Thanksgiving. That was good. Uh, dude, I made I made this for Thanksgiving, this big thing. I bought a thing of Hawaiian rolls and just sliced it down the middle like it was one giant piece of bread and basically just made like a pull-apart ham and cheese sandwich. It was mm. fucking dank. That sounds amazing. <laughs> so dank. That sounds phenomenal. We're not a foodie podcast, but but by God, we do love food. <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, so today on the podcast, we got a big day. Uh, but this this episode, what we're doing, we're going to talk about our top three favorite cinematic Spider-Man villains in anticipation 
uh, for Spider-Man No Way Home, which drops at the end of the week. Uh, as, as you're listening to this, it's just a few days away. So we're very excited for that. We're talking in-game level proportions. At least that's the marketing team's expression from Sony. So <laughs> I don't, and they are completely unbiased. So I imagine it's going to be a, a, just a hell of an event. Uh, so we're going to talk about our top three favorite Spider-Man villains. Before we do that, we have a bit of a crossing streams, but in binging the eight or nine Spider-Man movies, I imagine our crossing streams is mostly also Spider-Man related. So that'll be a short segment and we're going to dive right in. Before we do that, though, we have to tell you a few business things. OK, if you'd like to email the show, please do so. We love hearing your thoughts and words of wisdom. You can email us at streamingthingspod at gmail.com. That is streamingthingspod at gmail.com you can also follow us on twitter at StreamThingPod. it's the only username available for us so it's at StreamThingPod. we don't post on there much but we do monitor it so if you're a tweet liker like the tweets it's fine also most importantly you can actually get about double the action here on streaming things by becoming a patreon subscriber we do a lot of patreon episodes for mm-hmm. patrons only and that's the only way I can use patrons in a sentence, I think over and over and over. So you can go to streaming, th- wait, no, patreon.com slash streaming things. I don't want to tell me go to streaming things.com against you. No, don't do that. <laughs> it's go not a real website. Patreon.com slash streaming things. That's where you want to go. And thank you first and foremost to the trailblazers, our original Patreon subscribers. Cause we're pretty new to the whole Patreon thing, but we got some, some wonderful fans and family on there already. Thank you so much to Phil. Spider-Man's real. Spider-Man's real name is Phil. Thank you to Carmelita. Carmelita, you stuck your webs into my business for the last time. Carrie. The heart, Carrie. We attack his heart. Enza. Can Enza come out and play? (laughs) Cake. The power of cake in the palm of my hand. Thank you, Cake. (laughs) Thank you, Cake. Daniel. Daniel. Brilliant, but lazy. (laughs) Katie. The world's changed, Katie. It's time we change, too. Jimmy. You're welcome, Jimmy. I'm sorry, I messed that up. You're welcome, Jimmy. Now you go in there and you show my daughter a good time, okay? Just not too good. Sarah. I created Sarah to give the world someone to believe in. I control the truth. Sarah is the truth. And our newest Patreon subscriber, E. Lopez. E. Lopez tells me you're quite the science whiz. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. (laughs) (laughs) You haven't noticed those are all Spider-Man themed thank yous and shout outs. And Steve puts a lot of extra effort into having themed thank yous. They are Spider-Man villain themed quotes. All of those Mm. are Spider-Man villain quotes. I didn't mean to take anything from the extra little bit of effort you put in there, Steve. You know, the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is just a little extra. Yeah. You know, a normal chump would have just said with great fill comes great responsibility. But you know what? I went the extra mile and found some deep cut quotes. All right. Mm -hmm. You did. Yeah. With great fill is like the low hanging fruit. Right. (laughs) I mean, that's literally Phil's bio on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Low hanging fruit. (laughs) It used to be fill me up before you go, go, which was even lower fruit. Yeah. By the way, go to philsfruit.com. <laughs> that's not a site either. I love coming up with fake websites. <laughs> anyway, before we dive into our top three Spider-Man villains of all time, cinematic versions, let's talk a little bit about crossing streams.
Crossing Streams is a segment where each week we talk about the films and TV shows that we've been enjoying since last we met that aren't on the main show. Things no. they might go check out. Some maybe maybe you never heard of. You want to go watch. However, this week, again, like I mentioned before, we've been watching a lot of Spider-Man. Has anyone been watching anything that's not Spider-Man in the I last five or six days? I squeezed in a little something yesterday. Okay, let's talk. Andy, what was that? A little something, something. A little something. Uh, it's something that Steve uh, has been hyping up for quite some time. And uh, the newest season, I think, just finished. And so I uh, was like, dang, the show's been going on for six seasons, and I still haven't given it a shot, and it's so my jam. I watched the first episode of The Expanse yesterday. Oh, Ooh. man. Good, good, good. Yeah. Um, dude, it's good stuff. It's really cool. I love the world that they've designed, essentially, that humanity has colonized uh, the solar system. And so we, we're seeing like uh, seemingly centuries later where people people's bodies have adapted to like the areas that they live. So like people living out in the belt, uh, the asteroid belt where there's low gravity, they're like these tall, lanky weirdos that uh, get that like they get brought back to earth and it's basically torture for them to be just in the air there because they're all their bone density is real weak and stuff be, just by virtue of where they grew up and so it's like establish it, it it gives me kind of big altered carbon vibes where uh we get um sort of the detective man that's going through and searching for this missing girl and then we get uh what's essentially like our john dude even kind of looks like john snow but like our uh, dark course dude out in space that uh is basically called upon to uh lead the people around him and there's uh like lots of politics and stuff uh super my jam very uh grounded science fiction um and i'm absolutely going to keep watching it it's just a question of time but uh yeah it's that that show's pretty badass so far that's the most ringing endorsement of The Expanse I've ever heard. I want to check it out. I love season one of Altered Carbon. I think we need more space noir. I think that's a that's a that's a void in space we need to fill. You know what I'm saying? How far? Oh, callback to Phil. Ooh, how far are you into it, Andy? Just the first episode. Oh, okay. Uh, I have to say, I think the first season might be the weakest season. Um, that's what I've heard. But, to get it, so this is a factoid that may or may not be true, but it's in my head canon that the expanse after one or two seasons actually got canceled and Jeff Bezos bought it because he loved it so much and wanted it to continue. And now <laughs> it's on Amazon. Is that anybody I know, know it, anything about that? It was canceled, I think, around season three or four around that time. Is, yeah, they, they were on. um the sci-fi channel, I believe first, and then they got mm -hmm. canceled and then they went to Amazon and became an Amazon show. Well, Amazon, Bezos does love space. So I can, again, that's until somebody proves me wrong. That's headcanon. Yeah. That he was just such a big fan and was like, how cool would that be? If I was like so rich, I could be like, they canceled the magicians. <laughs> Fuck that. I'm buying it. You know what I mean? Dude, I, wish I want I was to see that more rich. of that shit. That'd be amazing. Yeah, season three of The Expanse may be one of my favorite seasons of TV of all time. I love it. Nice. Oh, dang. I want to check it out, too, then. Andy, you got anything else you've been? I'm just saying been... the world needs more Thomas Jane. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it does. Uh, no, honestly, not really. No. Um, some video games have been coming out. New Halo just dropped. I've been playing that. That's been super fun. Um, I, I did watch... Uh, a little bit more of the Dexter. I, I I don't need to keep beating that horse to death. I'm just trying to catch up. The uh, newest season is almost done. And from what I hear, it's a little bit of a dud, but I'm still excited to watch it because I've been enjoying Dexter very much. Um, 
At this yeah, point, Dexter is your own personal dark passenger. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it is the dark passenger of streaming things right now. But yeah, I'm on season six now. So yeah, that's understandable. I've been I've been stuck in the Spider-Man multiverse for quite some time now, and I'm oh, I love only it. partly way through. Uh, lied thing I've been doing. Uh, so I, I mentioned on the podcast a few weeks back that I randomly watched the last two Harry Potter movies. Uh, I just got it in my head that I was like, you know what? I haven't watched uh, Deathly Hollows Part 1 and 2 in a hot minute. And Part 1 is one of my favorite Harry Potter movies. So since then, for some reason, I've been watching Harry Potter backwards. So <laughs> after I watched those two, then I was like, you know what? Let's get a little Half-Blood Prince going in my life. And so I watched Half-Blood Prince because that one actually probably is my favorite movie. Uh, and then after that, I was just sitting there. I was like, well, all right, Order of the Phoenix. Here we go. And so I... Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've now watched uh, seven through four and I, I still have three, two and one to go, but uh, I'm, ha- I'm having fun with it. Has watching Harry Potter backwards like that illuminated anything for you? Has it given you any sort of perspective on things? It's just interesting to see the development. Like, you know how the movies kind of got darker as time went on. I'm just watching them get progressively lighter and uh, <laughs> be, be a little more like campy and fun. And like when I, especially when I got to like Goblet of Fire and just like the silly scenes with like McGonagall teaching all the kids how to dance and stuff. It was super cute. And I did catch something that I've never noticed before in Harry Potter uh, or in uh, Goblet of Fire. Um, so there's like a whole thing in uh, Goblet of Fire in the book where uh, Harry, of course, is rich and everybody uh, and he spends most of his time with the Weasleys, who are a very poor family. When they get to uh, the Quidditch World Cup, Harry buys a couple of pairs of omnioculars, which are like uh, binoculars that uh, can replay and give you stats on the game and stuff. And like he buys a pair for uh, Ron and Hermione. And uh, when the uh, Irish... um, come out onto the pitch they uh they have this little uh intro thing that happens where a big uh um magical uh leprechaun flies in the air and then drops a bunch of fool's gold on the the crowd and ron like shovels a bunch of gold to harry like here that'll pay for the binoculars and they don't know that it's not real gold and then there's like (laughs) some drama with like harry doesn't notice that that money went missing and ron's like i wish i could have 10 galleons go missing and not notice anyway i say all that to say that i noticed for the first time that ron is using omnioculars in that movie like they, they don't have that little plot beat or whatever in the in the story but he is uh, ron is using like this weird binocular thing with just one lens and stuff i was like those are totally omnioculars that's dope <laughs> nice, a nice little uh little piece of uh harry potter lore nice it's always fun to watch something you book your that's so beloved to you but you still pick up on little details like that even with subsequent watches oh yeah I, i've watched those movies to death but yeah super fun that's actually related to my crossing streams a little bit, but Steve, have you done anything non Spider-Man recently? Uh, I have. There is one thing I do. This is kind of a follow-up to last week's crossing streams. Last week, if you'll remember, Chris and I talked uh, at great length about Arcane League of Legends on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I ha- I was three episodes in at that point, and I had a little bit of con- some concerns uh, with the show. Uh, and I'm here to report that I have finished. The, the rest of the season. And I'm here to say that show's awesome. That show's great. Yeah. Uh, it really like fin- like where I ended. So I stopped watching uh, at episode three. I finished episode three. It really is like, 
okay, that was the prologue. Episode four and on is like the real story, but the prologue is important context so that these small moments in the subsequent episodes like land and have impact and stakes. Um, and it's just really, really well done. And I really like some of the stylized choreography. There's a fight, I think, towards the 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 last quarter of the show between one of the sisters and I, uh, what's the kid's name with the white hair? I forget his name. Do you, remember, you know Echo? what I'm talking about? Echo? Is that the gate on the hoverboard? Yeah. They have a fight at one point and like it's the way it's, you know, animated is really, really neat. And the animation's amazing. Yeah. It really brought out all the creativity that, and uh, cause like going into the show, a lot of people were hyping up the animation. I was really looking forward to it. And that I think fight scene really kind of captured like, yeah, this is the, this is what the show is capable of doing and uh, when it's at its best. Um, the writing's really good. Oh, there's a lot of fantastic characters involved. It went places I wasn't expecting. It ends in a way where I kind of like, wow, I want to see what happens next. I'm really I'm really excited. I hope they, they make more because I want to see where the story goes because I'm not going to go play the game. I, I, can't, <laughs> I can't be bothered. But uh, the show's great, so I definitely suggest everyone check out Arcane League of Legends. I agree. Again, not, no hyperbole. I think it's a masterpiece, which is so funny to say that about Arcane League of Legends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's one of true. the best things I watched all year. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Uh, Chris, what about you? Anything other than Spider-Man that you've been streaming? No, I've just been just, I've been trying to make these in-depth like TikTok recaps of each Spider-Man movie as I watch them. Uh, and I'm a few videos behind because I do want to do an Arcane League of Legends piece. And anyway, all this stuff for streaming things that I've been wanting to do. So I actually um, did not get to watch some of the things I want. Like, I want to see West Side Story tonight. I don't think I'll have time because we got a lot to do today. Um, I want to uh, see Power of the Dog on Netflix. I think that's going to be a contender for Best Picture of the Year. Everybody's been saying the new Jane Campion film. So anyway, did not watch those. But I did watch a new Netflix series called... And Andy, maybe with his French, can help me out, or Enza can can. I can me later. It and Enza can correct me. That's yeah. <laughs> it's voir, I think. V o i r voir to, to see. Uh, is that what that means? I think so. Yeah. Cool. So this is a video essay series <clears throat> about the love of cinema, and so each one is a different, um, like film critic or director, just, you know, film lover, you know, like Drew, Drew McWeeny's got one. Uh, Tony Zhao's got one. Um, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, I watched the first two episodes. I think you guys will absolutely love it. So it's just uh, like the first episode is, a. Uh, I think her name is Sharon, but I don't want to mispronounce, um, but she loves Jaws. And so she does this, this beautiful essay that she clearly wrote out and then spoke and recorded and then they like do like video reenactments and clip clips from the film and they dive deep into jaws and not only jaws but like what it meant for the zeitgeist at that time and how it changed the the course of film history with the, the invention of the blockbuster and um and andy's harry potter uh tirade made me think about that because she talked <laughs> about being a, as a little girl she saw Jaws probably 40 times in theaters because she would, her sister would drop her off and tickets were only a dollar. And then she would just stay there and watch every showing until her sister would pick her up later that night. So she'd drop her off in the afternoon and stay there and watch it like six times. Cause she's a little kid and nothing else to do. And when she talked about how, even after seeing something 40 times, you'd watch it and notice something else. And that would just change the entire landscape of the, of the film. And um, anyway, I just, as a, any film lover, I think, will will get a lot from the extra care um, and just 
emotional weight that this little video essay series has. Like it's just a, a love of cinema. Um, the second episode especially was really cool. It, it was Tony Zhao talking about um, Lady Vengeance, the, the Park Chan-wook film, and um, just talking about revenge movies in general. So they, they delved into all these different like through lines about like how to do a revenge film and the connectivity between them that I had never noticed. Like what's so awesome about revenge movies is it takes extreme violence and makes it something that you root for um, because they set it up like the, the person deserves this. And it's just this unique feeling and how it makes you look at yourself for rooting for such brutal violence. And wow, I must be capable of that. And, you know, it just, it's really a lot of philosophizing about cinema. I, I, I eat that shit up. And uh, I think that it is a necessary watch for all cinephiles. Uh, it's, it's really interesting stuff. So, and it's not that each episode's like 17 minutes long. So it's just a fun thing to put on. I, I was thinking recently, and this is like on a side, right into streaming things pod at gmail.com. If you have any ideas, but I was thinking like, man, there's really not enough filmmaking documentaries in my opinion. Um, there's been some really good ones recently unless like recently, meaning the last five, 10 years. Um, like there's that one that breaks down the shining, the Kubrick film one. There's the one, uh, that on HBO max about Steven Spielberg. I think it's called Spielberg. That was amazing. And there's one on Brian De Palma that was really good. But other than that, like there really isn't enough of them in my opinion. Um, so I would love to see more like feature film length, Blu-ray special features, essentially. So if anybody has any <laughs> that they know of that I missed, I would really, I really enjoy watching those. Um, so anyway, that's called Voir. It's on Netflix. And that's the only thing I watched other than Spider-Man this week, Nice. which I think well, let's do this in the crossing stream segment. So what has your guys experience been with your Spider-Man rewatch uh, so far? Because I have some thoughts that I think are going to anger Steve. Oh, and shit. It's like for me personally, me. I haven't seen uh, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. I think 2002 and 2004 and 2007. Um, five is when no, Spider-Man 2 I, came out. Yeah, it's, it's four. You're right. It's four. And, and so I was in high school then I was a, I was a freshman when Spider-Man Sam Raimi's Spider-Man came out. Right. And so it was fascinating to revisit those. Um, and then the uh, amazing Spider-Man series, I think that started in 2012 again. So it's been a decade since I've watched those. Uh, and so I've actually really enjoyed it so far. And I have some, some thoughts now that I'm in my thirties and the, the cinematic landscape has changed around superhero films. Um, Andy, what, what was your, I know you watched a few. I don't know if you so, started with the older ones like I did. That's what I was about to ask first. Uh, what did you all rewatch? I, I started in order of release and I am okay. on amazing Spider-Man two now. Um, but I did that because obviously I've seen the, the Tom Holland Spider-Man films and into the Spider-Verse several times over the past several years. Mm -hmm. And so it was the most like refreshing was just to do it in the order of release. Um, I think Steve is going backwards in sort of a Harry Potter kind of way. Mine's kind of ass backwards, meaning um, I, I've for a couple months now, I've been in the mood to watch Spider-Man goes to Europe. Um, I, and I hate that you call it that. <laughs> I hate that they call it far from home. That's a dumb fucking title. <laughs> that is a very dumb title. They should have called it, as Steve says, National Lampoon Spider-Man goes to Europe. Yeah, they should. <laughs> I, I just don't like their hang up on the homecoming or the, like every title of Tom Holland Spider-Man needs the word home in it. I think that's a, a hang up. They really need to get past. Super I'm dumb. so excited for <laughs> Spider-Man. No homo, 
which is coming out <laughs> in 2024. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I've been in the mood to watch Spider-Man Goes to Europe uh, for a while because I've only I had only seen that movie once when it came out in theaters, and I don't remember really loving it uh, at the time. I called it Spider-Man Far From Perfect, and um, nice. And so, well. I think actually Phil came up with that after he, after I gave him my review. So shout out to Phil for coming up for that. Uh, but, uh, so I wanted to rewatch it cause like, Oh, maybe I was hard on it again. So I re- so I started off with homecoming. Then I went to far from home. Then I went back and I started watching the Raimi trilogy and I just finished watching Spider-Man three last night. And I have yet to get to the amazing Spider-Man movies, which I will probably do starting tonight and tomorrow. And then I will end up on, I, w- I want to try to watch into the spider verse. Um, we'll see if time will allow me to get there, but I had, I've, I've watched all of them except for spider verse and the amazing Spider-Man. And I'm just going to say this right now. I'm going to avoid sharing too much of my thoughts on specifically Spider-Man one and two from the Raimi trilogy, because you will be able to find out those deep, dark thoughts on the Patreon. So I'm just going to put that plug in there. <laughs> So that's what I watched was uh, Sam Raimi's one and two, because I thought that was all I was supposed to watch. <laughs> no, no, that, it is. Yeah, that it is. is. Yeah, that, that's the homework that we have to do. But uh, when Steve started rewatching all of them, I got a hair up my ass. And I promised when I watched Spider-Man one, Sam Raimi's original, I made a TikTok that said, I'm rewatching all of Spider-Man's and I'm going to rank them at the end. And so that took forever. I mean, that took me four hours. And I went, fuck, because now I've promised <laughs> to do this. Right. So now I'm stuck. Yeah. Uh, which is a dumb way of thinking, but that's just the way I am. So I, I respect it. And I agree with Steve. We are doing a Patreon exclusive episode about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man one and two. So I won't say too much, but I, I do want to, I think it's relevant in this episode, at least to kind of tease that. I think, because my, my general impression is that the amazing Spider-Man, meaning the, the two films that star Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man, are generally regarded as trash by most people. Is, am I correct in assuming? That's just my idea of like my headcanon of people's interpretation. I've never seen them. So I, I wow. need to, yeah, I need to uh, continue my Spider-Man rewatch uh, just, just to have that experience because if like people are saying there's a good chance that he pops up andrew garfield pops up in the new spot something home three uh home alone three <laughs> that uh I, I need to have some idea of what the canon is that they're playing with um so yeah i got a little bit of catching up to do for sure and for sure the villains from those films are in like those are confirmed to be in no way home so it'd be worth watching just for, and one of the best villains is actually in the amazing spider-man uh, at least in my opinion, I like, I think lizard is, is impressive, but um, my hot take to kind of get Steve's of blood to boiling uh, is that again, I can't say much because this is our Raimi discussion. I really like amazing Spider-Man. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there are things to definitely like about the amazing Spider-Man. I, so I'm not going to be, I'm not one of those people that go as far to say like, it's trash. Like, I don't think they're trash movies. I think they're made with really, really good intentions and they're, they're handicapped by having to do something completely different from the other Spider-Man trilogy that preceded it. Like they can't do the stereotypical Spider-Man you know, story. They have to like do more modern takes, which I think they pull a lot of inspiration from like the ultimate comic series mm-hmm. uh, where they make Peter Parker's parents well, it, like it, spies or some shit. It's in, um, yeah, it's in some ways more canonically faithful to the comics. 
like with his web slingers, like yes. the actual gadgets that he yeah. makes rather than the the glands that Toby Maguire has. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, we'll talk more in depth about it on the Patreon. I just can't, I got to get it out. Cause I, I I've been wanting to talk for so long about it with somebody that's also been for whatever reason, binging Spider-Man recently, but in the rewatch, like it's, it's amazing that the DNA of all superhero films that we have now, I mean, we're inundated with them. There's, there's probably 40 of them that have come out since. Right. But it was so fascinating to watch 2002 Spider-Man knowing that this was six years before 2008's Iron Man. And so therefore a decade before anybody had any concept of the MCU. And so this was a really ballsy, thing to do in 2002 was to make a superhero film because it was like those were goofy nobody took them seriously yeah Um, spider-man or x-men i think x-men came out first i think so it is very closely though i think it was like a 2001 2002 situation x-men came out first because originally there was supposed to be a wolverine cameo in uh spider-man oh that would have been cool yeah that would have been amazing um but the level of camp and it's part of that Sam Raimi, and maybe it's just not my thing, but everybody puts Spider-Man 2 up on this pedestal of like, this is the best Spider-Man movie ever made, in fact. And so I was really excited. Again, I hadn't seen this since I was 17 years old, and and I was really high then, right? So I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I know a lot more about filmmaking now, and I'm sober. I really want to enjoy this film. And I do. It's a great movie, but... I do not like Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. I think he looks 37 because it is completely bizarre. Because I is. think he's his. Not only does he have no chemistry with Kirsten Dunst as Mary Jane, it, he is actually quite creepy and unnerving. Uh, and it's just not like in a way that's like, oh, this is a problem. Like, I'm not saying it's problematic. I'm just saying it's not fun to watch. Like, she'll be like like for some reason she's constantly pursuing him and he's constantly turning her down and which is like, yeah. Okay. But then <laughs> like there's moments where she'll come up and be like, so Peter, like, do you love me? And he'll just be like, Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, she who is. fucking wrote that? Oh boy. Oh boy. Howdy. And then pause ellipses. It's like shit like that. I'm like, this is not the best Spider-Man. You guys are high. Um, now that we have Tom Holland's, but then I watched Amazing Spider-Man. That's what I want to get into. That's really not relevant to the mm-hmm. Patreon so much. I think is better. I think it's better potentially. Well, Andrew Garfield is a way better Spider-Man. He's so much more charming. And he and Emma Stone have off the charts chemistry. So much better chemistry. Like they they Thank share. You for saying that, I, sh- I thought you were going to deny that. No, no. Like I, I will talk shit about the Amazing Spider-Man movies all day long, but I will never, ever talk shit about Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone in those movies because they are such a high point. They are literally they're so fun to watch together. Yeah, and they're so amazing. Neat. So not no fun to watch Kirsten Dunst and Toby so much. Well, they're um, both better actors. Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone are <laughs> oh, yeah, that too. leagues above uh, Toby Maguire and Kirsten Dunst. Sure. And I think, uh, as I recall, I don't know if this for sure, but I, Amazing Spider-Man got flack for being too self-serious, too dark. It's sort of like the Batman Spider-Man. Um, and so people, I think that that's not as true to like the feeling of the Spider-Man character. And so people gave it shit for that. Was it um, uh, post Batman Begins? Because that kind of yeah. heralded it had to be, yeah. Because it's yeah. 2012. Yeah. Um, but I maybe because I love Batman so much. I've got I've got tattoos. 
but I really <laughs> love the vibe in it. And the first movie, Amazing Spider-Man 2 is pretty bad. Uh, yeah, but, Amazing Spider-Man 2 may be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I, <laughs> I, on a nerd level, I think the Amazing Spider-Man costume is the best of any of them, including Tom Holland's. I think it looks amazing. Um, you could say what you want about the black eyes and I would get that. But like, it's a beautiful suit. Um, anyway, I just thought... I would throw that out there because I was watching as the credits rolled on amazing Spider-Man. I was like, Oh no, (laughs) I know for sure. I liked it more than Spider-Man one. I might like it more than Spider-Man two. And that's the amazing Spider-Man. So anyway, well, that's the thing um, I, I, so those movies, like I said, are next on my rewatch list. I've only seen both of those one time. And this was like five years ago or so whenever amazing Spider-Man two came out. Um, I, I don't think, I will like Amazing Spider-Man 2 anymore on a rewatch just because there I think that movie just has a lot of structural issues that cannot be fixed with time. Yeah, the three um, villains thing was a was a mess. Um and three, I'm not I'm not as excited to revisit it. I have to, that's what I have to do as soon as we end this show is watch that and I'm like, eh. and that and 3. Is that the <laughs> one with uh Dane DeHaan? Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's such a good actor. I heard he, he was is. terrible, but I, he's such a good actor. It's such a good actor. Surprising. And yeah. they, and Jamie Foxx is phenomenal, yeah. but and he's electro. Um, it's just, it, but it's a whole mess when you put it all together. Yeah. Cause they're, they're trying to set up way too much with that movie. Th- that movie is essentially just one big setup for a movie that never happens because they were right. trying to make their own Sony MCU back then. Oh, okay. And it gotcha. just, it was, it was, justice league proportions bad and, yeah, you know how justice um, league in the dc is like constantly rushing to get to marvel levels of interconnectivity and stakes without yeah. lay they they don't want to lay the groundwork and do the work that the marvel movies did of like taking five years to set up characters and then have these big things that's what amazing spider-man 2 was, was like trying to sprint to the point where they can like okay next movie we're gonna have this big end game level thing uh yeah and there's this like weird um, subplot where Peter Parker's parents are spies or some shit and they're always it's like this weird and they, they hint that it was destined that Peter Parker was going to be Spider-Man because his dad was doing experiments on him as a kid and all this shit and it's like that's not the fun of Spider-Man it, he's not he's just supposed to be a regular kid that becomes superpowered not like he was destined to be this because he was supposed to always be this. I don't know. Spider-Man two mm-hmm. takes a lot of fun out of the series and it's just poorly made, but I'm excited amazing to see Spider-Man. Yeah. Excuse me. Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm excited That's to rewatch the amazing Spider-Man because I do remember that one had a lot more potential because it's a lot more focused on. It's really good. Yeah. I, I, I think Andrew Garfield fucking kills it. Um, and, and Emma Stone, I love Kirsten Dunst, but Emma Stone just is phenomenal to yeah. watch She's, their banter. There's actual chemistry. Like, and I, anyway, I, I, I adored it. I think she's amazing in that film and I can't even describe it, but their dialogue, like there's a one point where she asks him, like, he's trying to ask her out and she's trying to help him ask her out. And, <laughs> and so she's like, he's stuttering and stuff. And, and it's not like Toby Maguire awkward. It's just like, you know, normal nervous kid stuff. And, and she's like, so do you think we should, he's like, uh, yeah, we could maybe go or, or we could. And she's like, yeah, I, I'm down with either of those things. And like, it's just, <laughs> it's so endearing. It's so much charisma. It's just leaking off of her. It's great, man. I love it. And then Dennis Leary plays captain of the police, which is fucking hilarious. Um, of course it's good. Did. It's good stuff. I really enjoyed it. It's better than, uh, the, the guy who played, uh, the, the, the guy from babe, 
<laughs> the farmer from Babe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but any yeah, who's old, I, watched, like, I don't want to spill too much of our beans from Spider-Man 1 and 2 coverage for the Patreon. Oh, I do I do want to say real quick, I did watch Spider-Man 3, the Raimi trilogy ender, and that movie is just as terrible as I remember it being. <laughs> so I, I skipped that. Long story short, I'm, I'm trying to watch them in, in order of release, but I watched 1 and 2. My friend came over and said, I want to watch Spider-Man with you. He had never seen the Garfield. Uh, that's a through line in my life right now. A lot of people have never seen the Garfield ones. And so I said, okay, well, let's skip three because that one's just canonically terrible. Yeah. And we'll just, I'll, I'll watch, I'll make the TikTok for the amazing Spider-Man and put it in my drafts. And then with movie magic, go back and watch three and act like I did it in order for my TikTokers. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but now they know the secret's out. Oh no. Um, so, yeah, anyway, I haven't watched three. I actually never seen three in its entirety, just like Dude, Sandman if, clips and pieces. If you want to so watch I'm, a director, I'm excited. If you want to watch a director, just hate fuck his own movie for. <laughs> I do. Like, I do. Like, you know, the story behind that, right? Where like Sam Raimi just wanted to make a Sandman movie. And the studio was like really, really adamant, like, no, put Venom in it. And Sam Raimi was like, no, I hate the Venom character. I don't want to do that. And they're like, no, you have to do it. So he's so, like, let's cut. Okay, I'll fuck it. I'll cast he's like, fuck Topher it. Grace. Yeah, Topher Grace is <laughs> dipshits, and I'm going to make him like the dumbest fucking villain of all time. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. Um, but I, I like, can't you could imagine. See it. You could see it when you watch it, just the disdain that he has for that particular character, because there's like some very, there's a, there's a scene in particular with Sandman that is incredibly beautiful. It's great filmmaking. It's a beautiful scene. It's the best scene in the whole movie. It's arguably the only good scene. But then you see like anything with Venom and you just can just see Sam maybe just flipping off the camera the entire time he's rolling. <laughs> it's so funny. Are you not entertained? Uh, I'm pulling a gladiator. The only good scene, Steve, I seem to recall a certain strutting Tobey Maguire dancing to the <laughs> <laughs> That scene is wild like because i know pe- people focus <laughs> on wilding to- people focus on the pointing at the ladies on the street and dancing in his black suit with his emo hair but people don't like there are other parts of that montage that people don't talk about that are just as fucking hilariously bad like there's he's on the phone with dr connors in the scene and doc- dr connors has been given a sample of a symbiote and he's called peter to like tell him like you haven't touched any of this stuff this stuff is makes people aggressive but he's like got the phone on and he's not really listening to him. And he's talking to his manager's daughter, who's also in the magicians, Chris. And, and he's like, the, the girl brings him brownies or something. He's like, Oh, these are great. Do you have nuts? And she's like, I can make more. He's like, yeah, why don't you go make some more for me? Yeah. This is being a total <laughs> just cock bag to this poor girl and not listening to his professor on the phone. It's fucking hilarious. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to get back into that one and we'll talk more about it in uh, in our Patreon episode. But like Spider-Man 2 felt like Raimi being more Raimi. And that's all I'll say. Like some mm-hmm. of the sequences in that were wonderful and I'm excited to dig into it. And so I was kind of excited to go back to Spider-Man 3 just to see if that trend, trend continued because I remember it being terrible, too. But I guess not. Well, again, like um, you can see the, which uh, magicians I, cast member is in there. Uh, What's her name? She plays. Stella Maeve is probably the, the biggest actress. Is there's Brittany Curran, there's Olivia Taylor Dudley, there's Jade Taylor. Hold I'm on, a I, minor magician. I wrote fan. her name. It's, uh, it's Ma- a lot of Taylor. Ma- Magina Tova. Is that how you pronounce it? 
Magina Tova? <laughs> I don't I don't know. That must be uh, like a, a sounds like side a Bond villain, dude. <laughs> I, I named all the like protagonists, but I'll, I'll look into it. I'm just interested. Any whoozle. I'm actually going to talk to them here shortly. That's why I actually have to get off here in an hour. Um, it's like a it's like a Zoom thing with the whole cast. I'm very excited about. But well, that's an experiment. We'll see how that goes. But that brings us to our main event. Let's go to talking about our top three cinematic Spider-Man villains right now. A Spider-Man, a Spider-Man does whatever a spider can. A spins a wave any size. Catches these or just flies. I hope that becomes our uh, Spider-Man intro for the Patreon. I just love that violin lady just crushing it on the violin you know what i'm saying that's a bop and that was a different time i don't know that that's even okay nowadays but it's borderline yeah i'd be nervous as the director now i can tell you that Uh, but it was funny to watch i'm not gonna lie uh but yeah so we're gonna talk about we're gonna count down from three to one in epic dramatic style i think i have a very clear idea of who steve's number one is going to be now that i know andy hasn't seen the garfield universe I'm pretty sure what Andy's is going to be. I'm not sure, though. Oh, are you? I think yours probably will be similar to mine. Probably, um, yeah. Any hoozle. Let's start with Andy. What is your number three favorite cinematic Spider-Man villain? Okay, so I'm going to start by getting away from the live action ones. I like the Prowler in uh, Spider-Man Ooh. Into the Spider-Verse. Awesome. It's a good um, choice. It ought to. Uh, and so should we say spoilers? I mean, right? Just in case, sure, we might. We, okay. we very likely will spoil any of the Spider-Man movies. Okay. Um, so I somehow I did not see it coming, and it should have been obvious that uh, the Prowler was uh, Miles' Uncle Aaron, and uh, I did not see it coming in theaters. And so when we get the reveal that he's been working uh, working for the Kingpin and stuff, I was like, I was flabbergasted. Um, and uh, I, I think that it, it was a really cool, like, it was one, the re- the reveal was big. And so, like, and that's kind of be a theme, I think, in uh, uh, in my list is uh, how was I affected by the reveal of the villain in within the uh, the movie itself? Not just like, is the villain cool or not, you know, because um, there are sequences some if you go by just like how dope was the action sequence or whatever or the villains uh you know reason raison d'etre or whatever um i i'm going more by like how was i personally impacted by um by the villain and so the prowler took me by surprise and i think he was really cool the sound design especially anytime the prowlers on on screen during into the spider-verse has that really cool like kind of distorted siren background thing you know what i'm talking about oh um, yeah that and, the musical cue is so wow. cool for him yeah. Yeah, yeah it's like dubstep almost i'm waiting yeah. for the drop and I, I like I mean, I could go on all day about the design of Into the Spider-Verse, but yeah, I the, thought that the sound is, is one of the best parts. Yeah, um, the uh, but the Prowler looked cool and I cared when, um, you know, there because there's like the the whole family dynamic between Miles and his dad and like the uh, strained relationship between them. And that just added through in this curveball that in retrospect was obvious, but I just didn't see it coming at the time. But yeah, Prowler. 
great choice. It did not make my list, but I thought I, I, it should have. Like, I, I love that character. I think it was very well done. And that sequence that you're talking about with the sound design, it's a neat foray into to horror, I think. It's a, it's a really good horror uh, sequence. Like, mm-hmm. my son uh, loves that movie. We watched it together many times. But the first few, he was actually really scared during the first Prowler chase. Um, and that's, that's, I think Sam Raimi pulled that off in Spider-Man too. There's a nice horror sequence in that film that gets talked about a lot, but that's the only two times I think that happens in the Spider-Man universes. Um, Steve, what's your number three? So my number three, I'm really interested to see if this will change, uh, after I do my complete rewatch, because I, I, you know, you bringing the Prowler up, Andy. I remember that being such a good reveal, but I've only seen the Into the Spider Verse once, so I'm, I'm I, I really wonder if I watch it again if this will if he'll be into my number three because as of now, my number three is Willem Dafoe uh, from Spider Man 2002 as the Green Goblin. Not so much as the himself. Green, yeah, pretty much as himself. <laughs> Not so much the Green Goblin in the suit, but like I really love just Willem Dafoe's performance overall. Uh, he's got such an iconic voice and the way he kind of leans into the cartoony evilness you know he, he's both equal parts cartoony but also scary at the same time and i think he's more scary when he doesn't have the dumb suit on because the suit is pretty stupid looking uh but when he's there's that scene in the first spider-man where he's essentially having a conversation with himself in a mirror i love that scene i think that really shows because a- any other actor that could be such a dumb stupid thing to watch but he's such a good character actor the way he just like goes from i'm super evil in the green goblin oh no i'm just poor old norman osborne i don't want to do no bad (laughs) (laughs) i just want to pet the rabbits george (laughs) and he has willem dafoe has such unique facial features so there's a Mm. there's literally a shot where he's looking into the mirror and he's his eyes are bugged out his eyebrows are like just they have all all these different points of articulation in his eyebrows and his teeth are kind of making this like this weird little creepy smile he's Uh, got jim carrey face for sure (laughs) he does yeah jim carrey face (laughs) uh he's he and he his character of the green goblin even though like you watch the the first movie now and it's definitely a movie of its time and it is dated i think his presence is such a big thing that just looms large in the rest of the other two movies um you just hear that laugh of his at any point you're like oh shit it's about to get real the goblin's here even though the goblin doesn't really do anything too crazy in the first movie and i think that is that speaks to just how good and how how iconic Willem Dafoe is um, to the point where like you watch the trailer for uh, Spider-Man and the other Spider-Men um, whatever what, what is that movie called <laughs> Spider-Man's no, no Way Home is that what it's yeah. called no, I don't know yes that's the newest one such a terrible out. title um, in the newest trailer they literally just have like there's a little part where Willem Dafoe's like Peter Parker and it just it, it makes the st- it immediately raises the stakes that you know, oh the Green Goblin is Willem Dafoe is here shit's getting real mm-hmm. um, and that that's why he made my number three even though I, I think the design of the suit and everything is, uh, is isn't great and it looks pretty silly but I just think Willem Dafoe just crushes it Chris I agree with you. I'm going to start off my list with a little controversy right away. I think um, not, not to the point where it's electro, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, if my you said number electro, my, I would have been like, get the fuck out. <laughs> my number three is Dr. Otto Octavius, Doc Ock uh, played by the legendary Alfred Molina. 
Legendary uh, Catherine Hahn. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> which I, I, I feel like is much higher on your all's list. Uh, but I'm, I'm putting him third. Just he's, he's on the top three. He does an amazing job. I mean, he's one of the, the fan favorites and, and I can see why I absolutely love uh, Doc Ock and, and he's a legendary actor. I mean, he's in Magnolia, Boogie Nights. I mean, he's just bringing all of his powers to bear. Uh, I think the only reason he's not higher on the list for me is because I did it just to make sure of my thoughts in a binge fashion. And I started to see this through line between all the villains of Spider-Man, where it's like this, this well-meaning scientist uh, that skips some steps because he believes so highly in the greater good of what he's doing. Things go wrong and then they get an evil malevolent voice in their head. And it's upsetting to me that that like that's the most that they could do. And in fact, it, it spans different franchises because the same thing happens in Andrew Garfield's universe as well. And I also had a hard time buying Doc Ock because if you know anything about Spider-Man, he's actually an incredibly powerful hero. It's just funny that he's a kid, uh, but he's extremely strong and like the green goblin has basically a super soldier serum, essentially mm -hmm. like he, he's, he's got some things, some augmentations that allow him to combat uh, Spider-Man and the other guys are really powerful that he fights. Doc Ock is just a dude with mechanical arms yeah. <laughs> and conceivably one punch from Spider-Man would shatter every bone in his face. Right. And so it's, it's just funny to me to watch how, what a hard time he gives Spider-Man. Now he's really smart and he does some like diabolical things to distract Spider-Man, like the famous train sequence, like stuff like that. I'm like, okay, I can understand how this is going the way that it's going, but there's certain other times where I'm like, I don't think he's getting up from that. You know, <laughs> you know maybe his lifeless body lifted by the AI of the arms for, for the rest of the film. I could buy that just yeah. hanging, hanging there while the arms fight. Uh, but anyway, the, whatever it's a superhero film, right? Have uh, but he, Go Have ahead. you seen the, uh, there's a panel going around YouTube where it's, um, Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe and Jamie Foxx. And they're asking them like, Oh, what's it like to be to, you know, reprise your roles, you know, that kind of thing. And they asked the panel, the question, you know, what made you want to come back and play these characters in the new Spider-Man movie? And, you know, Jamie Foxx says something about like, Oh, it's just fun to play these characters. I seen that. Willem Dafoe says like, Oh, I I'm playing the same character, but slightly different. And then they get to Alfred Molina. He's like for the money. <laughs> yeah he's he's hilarious and then there's that famous clip on youtube of behind the scenes footage of him with the arms because they did practical effects with the arms mm -hmm. uh and he does like the fiddler on the roof dance yeah. if i was a rich man and all the arms are you know clicking and clacking it's really funny he's a yeah. funny guy he's a cool guy he's a wonderful actor i love doc ock that's why he's number three i think it's controversial that he's not number one or number two honestly i do i know that i see it even but he's not for me hey he's uh, in the it's top just three that's good. not as compelling i do think there is a high likelihood of a plot twist in the newest film with his return i think he might have a less of a villainous role than a lot of people think i think there's a lot of room for Otto octavius to be a mentor to to Peter Parker in, in subsequent films. I hope that's what happens. I think that's more compelling, but we'll see. Uh, Any hustle? That's my thoughts on Dak Act number three. Andy, what's your number two? Godspeed, Spider Man. Uh, my uh, <laughs> my number two is Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin. Um, I think that he uh, 
absolutely crushes it. When I said before about reveal, like the the big thing for me was his reveal to himself because this is a guy that doesn't know that he's a villain for a big chunk of the movie, and I think that that's really interesting. Um, he just keeps hearing voices in his head, and then eventually we get that uh, mirror sequence that uh, Steve was talking about, and I love that so much. Like uh, he's like holding up the newspaper to himself, like look what I can do for you, <laughs> and then, like he turns away. From the I, I love that. <laughs> looks at the newspaper like oh my god as if he hadn't been reading it the whole time um no i just think that he's a really interesting villain because this is a guy that seemingly is uh just being dealt kind of a bad hand like he he built up this company to uh to the heights that it has reached. And uh, he, uh, through no fault of his own, is going to lose out on this military contract because of there's just some general that doesn't like him. Mm -hmm. And so he's uh, been doing all these experiments and trying to build up his superhero serum or, that, or whatever. Obviously, uh, his uh, little number two scientist guy was right, and uh, they needed to go back to formula or whatever. But that, that's, that doesn't mean that he wasn't, you know, actually seemingly doing good science it's just a question of development and how long does it take to make a vaccine you know um, <laughs> but, uh, out am i i love so much the scene where uh goblin captures uh spider-man and he's spider-man's like passed out like seemingly paralyzed leaning up against some like scaffolding or something and uh the green goblin just like leans <laughs> over all casually and like slaps him on the top of the head yeah. and is just chatting with him and that sequence to me like that to me is like the quintessential like camp that i love in uh the villains of spider-man it, it's just this little bit of just like hey how are you sequence and that was so yeah. much fun um, Willem Dafoe adds so many like small touches to that role like the the leaning over and slapping him is such a sm small <laughs> minor thing that adds so much to it yeah absolutely it's just uh, it was so casual the way that that went down I love it and then just like silly things like uh pretending to be the woman stuck in the fire you know what I mean like oh my god he's yeah. like where are you I'm an old lady <laughs> right it's just silly because he's crazy you know what i mean it's essentially a schizophrenic character and mm. uh i think eventually um uh norman kind of buys into the uh what the the green goblin uh dark passenger can do for him but initially it's just like a guy that is sort of the world's crumbling around him and he's crazy and doesn't know it yet and i think that's a fascinating character um but yeah, um, I, I, I love so much about it. There's obviously a lot of camp and really bad writing in uh, some of the in, in the first two Spider-Man mans uh, as a whole, like the Aunt May when she's reading, she's praying and he's like, finish it when uh, <laughs> deliver us for me. I don't know. It's finish terrible. It. But, <laughs> um, there's just like he has this menace uh, when little things like the i'm something of a scientist myself and like you you can i don't know it, it was done so well but yeah that's my number two steve what is your number two so my number two my number one i was surprised with how much turmoil inner turmoil i had within myself on where to place these next two people because they're like pretty equal in my eyes but one one had to be number one and one had to be number two. There are no ties. This is America. Pick a side. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? In arbitrary rankings. There is no there's only one winner. Right. Uh, so my number two 
is a character I hold in incredibly high esteem. And if you had asked me 10 years ago if this Spider-Man villain was going to be this high on my list ever, I would have laughed you out of the room. And that is the Vulture, Adrian Toomes, played by Michael Keaton in Spider-Man Homecoming. This is a great villain. All right, this is my favorite type of Spider-Man villain. And I think this is why Spider-Man's rogues gallery is so much better than a lot of other superheroes. I think it's Spider-Man and Batman have the best rogues gallery, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. Because, um, you know, uh, so Michael Keaton plays Adrian Toomes, the vulture, and it's this guy, he, it's this down-as-luck blue-collar guy who just gets screwed over by, you know, essentially Tony Stark again because the MCU has to create all their villains from Tony Stark fucking shit up. Mm -hmm. And he's like, hey, you know what? Why don't we just... We we had this legal salvage job that was taken away from us. We still got some of the stuff. Let's take this tech and and, and keep this train rolling. We got to make money for our families, you know? And he's not a... He has no plans for world domination. Like, I love Spider-Man movies that are smaller in scale, So the villain isn't trying to destroy the world or destroy the city. They just want to fucking make money. You know, it's just that that's part of the charm of a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And that's why like the vulture, all he's trying to do is make money so he can support his family. He's just doing it, going about it the wrong way. And there's a scene in homecoming where it's revealed. There's this twist reveal that Michael Keaton, Adrian Toomes is the father of Liz, the girl that Spider-Man really, really likes and wants to have be her, his girlfriend and is going to prom. And that scene where he shows up to take her to prom and he, and Michael homecoming, Keaton opens bro. the door or I'm sorry, homecoming. You're right. <laughs> right sorry. there, Steve. Sorry. That's why I can't, I fake and hate these titles, man. Uh, but yeah, that when he opens the door and it's Michael Keaton, I don't know if there is, if I had more of a <gasps> reaction in any Marvel movie other than that, like that was the one that fucking blew my mind. Marvel movies don't have a lot of twists in them, but that twist fucking hit. Um, cause from that point forward, it's just so like, Oh my God, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Peter Parker walks in and he's so awkward and everyone's like taking the, the pre homecoming photos and he just looks so uncomfortable and he's looking at Michael Keaton and then they get into the car and there's that scene where Michael Keaton figures out that he's Spider-Man and he turns around with a gun and he threatens him. Dude, that is some of the best use of tension in any MCU movie there has ever been. And it's just a guy taking a teenager to fucking homecoming there's no fucking snap happening. There's no city being destroyed. It's just two people in a car who have opposite goals of one another. And I think that is the true magic of Spider-Man. And that is why I think Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton's vulture is so high up on my list is for that reason alone. Very good choice, Stephen. Very good choice. Uh, my number two has already been talked about a lot. It is Willem Dafoe as uh, Norman Osborn, a.k.a. the Green Goblin in the original Spider-Man movie by Sam Raimi. Um, The reason I put him above Doc Ock is because even though Alfred Molina's um, performance is incredible and he's got like a better emotional tie to Peter Parker, um, arguably, I think, I think Willem Dafoe understood the fucking assignment as the kids say nowadays. Uh, Like you guys talked about it. He's just, he's batshit crazy. And I think I can buy his villainy a lot more. Uh, like Andy said, he doesn't even know he's a villain. He's kind of like 
he's a schizophrenic now he's 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 got multiple personalities he's insanity was one of the cheesy expositionally informed uh side effects of the serum that he took right like what are the side effects of, of insanity <laughs> oh i know i hope that doesn't happen i'm gonna take it dry um, cough runny nose insanity <laughs> <laughs> and i love his like joker-esque laughter obviously again i'm a huge batman fan all this stuff is just checking all the boxes for me but i think doc ock's fundamental characteristic is that he's got these arms that he doesn't even really seem to need uh, <laughs> to do what he's doing. Like he pushes like the plasma back in with his like fusion reactor, but it's, it's weird that they're even necessary to be like put in his spine. Right. Like, I think it seems like he could have <laughs> used gloves maybe. <laughs> um, so I'm like kind of annoyed by that. And then also like the whole conceit of doc Ock is that the arms are evil uh, and that, but he, and he knows that, but he don't worry. He put an easily destroyed inhibitor on his neck. Uh, I think there's so many fucking holes in this supposed stunningly great Spider-Man film, by the way. I can't wait. You're to spending a lot of time on your number two shitting on <laughs> number three. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so that's why I'm like, ah, eh, that takes a little bit away from it, but there's something inherently really believable about William Defoe, Willem Defoe going nuts. Right. So uh, I really dig that. And that scene Andy talked about where, where Peter's kind of knocked out on the rooftop and uh, green goblin just kind of hangs out with him. And like that banter with them, that's where I knew uh, that, that, that edged it into the number two spot for me, just because like, this is fucking awesome. Right. Like this is fun. Um, I love, I love his, his, his and he's kind of like he, he's a lot like the Joker, too, in, in the scene towards the end where where Spider-Man does get the best of him right after that legendary scene where the ball explodes and we get like half his mask blown off mm -hmm. in slow-mo. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Goes Sam Raimi. There's a scene where he knows he's lost. And so he tries to trick him. And it's this really petty, cowardly thing. No, Peter, I'm just Norman. Don't hurt me. And like it's it's God like bless you, Peter Parker. Yeah, it's corny, but like I like that. That's like a thing the Joker would do, right? Like, you know, you can't kill me, Batman. And like, we're, we're brothers, you know, and then kick him in the nuts or something. Um oh, so God, that, I want I that know, to I just, happen in a superhero movie just once. Yeah, for sure. Just, just kicks nut, Batman in the one nuts. Nut shot. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely adore Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin. I can't wait to see his return uh, in No Way Home. And I'm really excited for that. So that's my number two. And I'm sorry I shit on what I think is your all's number one the entire time. But I just I wanted to defend myself in advance for putting it at number three. Anyway, Andy, what's your number one? My number one is Bonesaw McGraw as a more yes! yeah! by Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bonesaw is ready. Bonesaw's ready. <laughs> and the guys with the cardboard saws in the audience. And Steve loves wrestling. I forgot. That's going to be such for a joy minutes. for him. <laughs> yeah. No, that is not my number one. I just had to, I had to bring up that fucking Macho Man was in Spider-Man. three minutes. <laughs> Uh, no, my number one is also Vulture, uh, Adrian Toomes. Um, that reveal that Steve talked about, that is that is the best moment in all of the MCU for me, for my money. Um, because like Steve said, it is just layers that you could cut the air with the tension with a knife. There's so much tension. It is just fucking. No, you could cut the air with the tension because it's yeah, that solid. That's how fucking <laughs> tense it is. Um, yeah, just that reveal when uh, fucking Michael Keaton opens the door. I think the whole fucking audience just gasped like that was genius writing. And um, 
And like I said before, uh, kind of like Willem Dafoe's character, this is not a bad guy. This is just some dude that's hard on his luck that's trying to make ends meet. And, uh, you know, it's this girl that's supposed to go go to and she's supposed to go to like some nicer school or something. There's something about money or she has to move because of the situation. Basically, it's a dude that's like trying to maintain his lifestyle in the aftermath of everything that's gone on in the city around them. Um, and yeah, we we get a fucking masterclass in villainy from Michael Keaton. He's not a bad guy, but if you get in his way, he is going to fuck your world up. Um, He'd do anything for his family. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. He and, should have been uh, in the Fast and Furious. I'll kill you dead. <laughs> and, and just the sequence of him figuring out that Peter is Spider-Man while he's in the backseat and stuff. God damn, that was such a good sequence. Do you man. love the the visual storytelling of like him sitting at the, the, the traffic light and the traffic light goes green the moment he realizes that? Yeah, dude. <laughs> the reflection of the awesome. green light right as he realizes that that's Spider-Man. <laughs> light bulb. <laughs> That's so good. But yeah, that's my number one. Tied with Bonesaw. Steve, what is your doc? I mean, number one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's Paul Giamatti's Rhino from Amazing yes! <laughs> The Rhino boxer shorts really kind of tie the character together for me. No, um, for sure. No, it's uh, it is Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus. Uh, so uh, words cannot really describe, you know, I'm biased again, because this is like, I think, there's definitely like maybe 50% nostalgia going into this, but I mean, I just rewatched uh, Spider-Man two. Cause that was my worry was like, man, am I going to watch Spider-Man two and Doc Ock's not going to be as cool as I, you know, remember him being. And as I was watching it, like every time that Alfred Molina shows up on screen, I was just smiling. Cause I just love him so much. Um, mm-hmm. I think Alfred Molina, like we touched on it before. He's such a cool dude. Personally, he's such a really nice person. And I really like the idea that he's in this like loving, committed relationship. He takes on this, you know, mentor role to Peter Parker early on. Um, And then (laughs) I always think it's funny where he's like, I'm building a fusion reactor that's going to create unlimited source of energy for the world. But also I created, you know, a bunch of uh, tentacles as well. Uh, But don't, they don't matter. That's just, you know, that's just just a a feature of this great thing. And no one raised their hand like, oh, what about people who lost limbs? That could probably, that technology looks like that'd be great for amputees. Everyone's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to make a perpetual sun. Yeah, Dr. Kirk Connors is in the audience like, excuse me, yeah. <laughs> we you have effortlessly, effortlessly fused that limb with your spine. And well, I'm listen, just wondering, <laughs> listeners, Chris is raising his hand right now, which makes it extra higher. Yeah. <laughs> Pork Dr. Oh, Connors. Oh, no, yeah, that's the army still has. <laughs> no, it was. Excuse me. <laughs> Do you think if Dr. Connors was there, he would have been like, he had mechanical arms this whole fucking the time? Whole time? <laughs> this son of a bitch has been holding out on me. Uh, but yeah, um, and then it also, the, the sequence, I'm sure we'll talk about it in great depth in the Patreon, but the sequence when he's in the hospital and the arms come to life for the first time is, I think, the the best, the best scene, uh, one of the best scenes of the whole Raimi trilogy. Um, I really, th- one of the things I really, really love about Doc Ock is the choreography of all his fight scenes are really, really cool. Like, I just love all these different arms doing really smart things. I like how the arms themselves have their own little personality. Like, um, there's one arm in particular that's always like, here, Otto, here's a cigar. Here, Otto, let me take my hat for you. Here, Otto, let me put on your glasses for you. And it's always the same arm. Um, that's cool. I didn't notice that. Yeah, he actually named all the arms and he the the they were like Larry Curly Moe and Flo. 
And okay. Flo, Flo was the one that handed him stuff because he, he was like, Flo is the motherly arm oh, okay. the, it, that takes care of him. But um, and she later went on to land a really good commercials deal. She did. Progressive insurance. <laughs> Um, and then I think this was one of the first times, I don't know, like being, it's hard to think of now, but back then that was one of the first times where there was a sympathetic villain, right? Cause Norman Osborn, you know, he kind of buys into his evil, right? So he's like, okay, that's a bad dude by the end of the movie, by the end of the movie of Spider-Man two, you're still like, oh no, Otto Octavia is a good person. And he, this is just a terrible thing. And I remember at that time, that was such a revolutionary thing for me. Like I had never really experienced like a sympathetic villain like that, at least not often and at least not done well. Um, like there's a moment towards the end of the movie where the arms get shorted out and he kind of starts coming to and, you know, realizing where he's at. And he, he realizes that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. And he has that moment where he like sees him and goes, Peter Parker, brilliant but lazy like he remembers like oh this is what you're not lazy you're spider-man how cool is that yeah just that moment of just it's such a good understated moment of that character where that that's who he is truly for a moment he's just a dude sitting in a puddle realizing that this kid that he thought was a brilliant but lazy student is actually fucking spider-man and that is such a neat little small moment for that character to have and then he actually goes the extra mile and sacrifices himself to save the city from you know this thing that he was doing and again even though his machine had the capability of destroying New York, that wasn't his goal. Like he was just like, I want to make a fuck perpetual sun and make energy. That's all I want. And then it just so happens like, Oh, this could destroy the city, but like, I'm not thinking about that. And it's, it, it, it still has a sense of small stakes to it. Um, and then he just looks so fucking cool. Like there's, there's a bunch of st- times where he's got like the knife behind his back and he's like trying to tempt Spider-Man to come over. And he, he he has some of the best one-liners was like, you got a train to catch. And like, <laughs> it's just great little one-liners like that. Uh, I can't say enough good things about Dr. Octopus to the point where I famously played Dr. Steve the Puss in our Spider-Man two parody film, spider Mike. Nice. Uh, I will famously I, <clears throat> famously. There are some people, you know, there were people in like other states around the country that would randomly email me at some point in my life that would be like, hey, are you this guy who made Spider-Mike? That movie's dope. <laughs> oh, yes. My 55 minute long Spider-Man 2 parody. <laughs> awesome. One day I will find, I, I have to dredge it up from my archives, but I will find it and I'll get a screen grab of it and post it so everyone can see. Like the costume was f- a fucking thing of beauty. You have to see it to believe it. It was great. It was a backpack with pool noodles, <laughs> but the pool, the pool noodles had solo cups on the end of it that were cut to look like claws. And then there were strings that were, that went to my hands so I could kind of make them move with my hands as I was standing still. Um, awesome. it was like the epitome of like cheap, you know, budget kids with a stupid camcorder in high school making a movie, but it looked great. Like we would like, we were able to like slam it into things and stuff. It was, it was really well done for the time. But yeah, that's, the my, time. The, for, that's my number one. Chris, what is your number one? Uh, there's not much that can be said uh, that hasn't already been said. I just want to throw a nod out. There is an argument that could be made for J. Jonah Jameson being the best oh, Spider-Man yeah. villain. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think and I'll talk a lot more about it in our Patreon exclusive episode. But I think uh, J.K. Simmons is is one of the very best things about Sam Raimi's Spider-Man movies. Absolutely. Um, but my number one villain is uh, Tombs as the Vulture. 
played by Michael Keaton. Uh, you guys said everything really that needed to be said about it. Uh, I, I just want to add, and this might be a little TMI, but I'm famous for that. There's a personal tie that I have with this character, I think, that makes me love it so much. Yes, the filmmaking is so good. And his performance specifically, it's so fucking Michael Keaton. I mean, he's just the simmering uh, awesomeness of his his villainy. Right. It's just it's it's understated on purpose. And you just see it all there in, in just his eyes. It's great. Right. Um, but yeah, the, the best thing about him is what's so great about Doc Ock is that, uh, and I think really the hallmark of any truly, um, uh, truly wonderful villain is that there's an element of, I kind of agree with him to any good villain, right. Or I see his point at least like, that's what true, like there's nothing interesting about cosmic evil. It's, there's just nothing interesting about it. Um, that's what made Thanos so compelling is people kind of were like, eh, you know, <laughs> um, there's a little bit too many of us. And, uh, and so I think that that is what's so interesting about the vulture is that I come from uh, a, a poverty stricken family and my, my dad specifically, um, he went to prison a couple of times, um, for doing things that I thought weren't really that bad. And I knew that he was doing it just because, he had a hard lot in life and, and was really trying to get a kind of a quick come up against, you know, the, the deck was stacked against him in his, in his opinion. Right. So he made some choices for, he thought for the betterment of his family. Um, and so when I watch homecoming, I just, I just feel his pain, right? Like he's just trying to have a company and do his job and he thinks he gets an edge up and then the man comes and shuts him down. Right. And he just makes a quick split second decision. And unfortunately, it is supplying highly dangerous weapons. Right. So there's less I can identify with there. Like with my dad, it was like weed. Right. So it's just like, <laughs> OK, uh, so not the same, but I see it. Right. I get it. And I think that's what's so compelling and tragic about the character of the vulture. That's why I love it so much. Um, and again, it's like uh, you can see how he would be a match for Spider-Man with the technology that he has and his extra edge of ruthlessness. Um, so anyway, that it, it's, it's firing on all cylinders. I absolutely love that character. I adore that movie. And that's why for me, the number one is the vulture. I think it's the best, one of the best villains period of all time. And certainly the best to me, Spider-Man villain. So that, hell yeah, that's it, man. Hell yeah. Um, Hell yeah. And that's interesting too, because homecoming has, I can't count them. I think four Spider-Man villains in it, but it's not like bogged down like amazing Spider-Man two or Spider-Man three. It's like, cause you have two iterations of the shocker. Yeah. Um, you have the tinker vulture, uh, which is like a B Spider-Man villain is, is the shocker, but, and then they treat it as such. And it's funny. Um, and then even I'm going to fuck up my nerddom, the tinkerer. Is it the tinkerer? Group. Yeah. Yeah. Is actually the guy who makes vulture stuff is actually a separate Spider-Man villain. So it all works really well. And it's a lot of uh, fan service for longtime Spider-Man fans. It's really neat, but it doesn't, it, they don't like bog anything down with it. So, well, don't we also get um, childish Gambino with his cameo as we do. Uh, the prowler? prowler? Yep. He's the prowler. We do. So there's a tiny bit there too. Yeah. Yeah. They did a great job hitting at all those things. I wonder if that'll ever come to fruition. Um, Did I you think guys that know, wraps up our, I didn't, re- sorry, this is a small aside about the homecoming films. I didn't, it took me, I didn't realize until this most recent rewatch that Betty Brant is in those movies and she's the, 
the one of the school she's the the girl that does the the school announcements the news show yeah i didn't realize that was supposed to be betty brant to this most recent rewatch when her and ned started dating and he kept calling her betty i'm like wait is that betty brant oh that's fucking cool i didn't realize that yeah there's all kinds of little little tiny nods who um, is betty brant uh so if you watch uh she's elizabeth banks character in spider-man oh cool yeah and i was trying to uh, refrain from saying that in this episode but there was some some actors with small bit parts in Raimi's films where I kept like doing the DiCaprio pointing at the TV thing from once upon a time in Hollywood, <laughs> like fucking Elizabeth Banks, you know, um, and it's really exciting. One last thing about that actor in the homecoming films is I guess in the lead up for the new Spider-Man movie, um, the, 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 the story is that that Betty Brant girl is now an intern for J Jonah Jameson. So like on the, the daily bugle TikToks, you can watch her. He's like, hi, I'm Betty Brant intern for the daily bugle. Hope I'm getting paid. And then it's like, and then it just comes up with a lower third, like unpaid intern, Betty. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not getting paid. Uh, Yeah. They're fun movies, man. I I know why everybody loves them. And I'm very excited to see Spider-Man no way home coming out on December 17th, but I'll be going on the 16th at five o'clock to see it. Very excited. Very excited. Uh, I think that wraps up our top Spider-Man villains conversation. Again, please subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash streaming things. If you want to hear our in-depth coverage on Sam Raimi's Spider-Man one and two, and to hear the finale of our, the Witcher season one recap and all kinds of other good things next week on the main feed for free. You can hear us talk about our favorite holiday films of all time. Dare I say Christmas films, right? Because we hear we're not going to have the war on Christmas takeover here at Streaming Things. Mm -hmm. It's PC Mm -hmm. gone mad. I'm just kidding. (laughs) We don't care at all. Uh, But yeah, so that's what we're talking about next week. So write into streamingthingspod at gmail.com and tell us your favorite Christmas movies, perhaps. Uh, Join that conversation. We'd love to read those on the air. That's all the time we have this week. Until next time, my name is Chris. I'm Andy. And I'm Steve. And this has been Streaming Things.